0: Hey, Ryan, what's going on, man? Not much. What's happening with you? Let's just cut the music and let's start the show.
1: There we go. All right. Fade out. Not, bam,
0: done. (laughs) Just, it's over. Click. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comic comic books from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today, we are talking about uh, from Barbalian Red Planet, and issue one of Crisis on Infinite Earths.
1: Yeah, you ready for all 12 issues of that? Oh,
0: my I, God. Am. I, was,
1: I am. I love no- the book, dude. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it is a haul.
0: It is. It is. I mean, there was a couple of times I'm like, aren't I done with chap- this, this yet? I'm only <laughs> on like page 30-something, isn't it? Comic books are only like 26-ish pages. What's going on here? But uh, no, I mean, I've read it a couple of times. It's been a, several years since I've read it. Um, I'm, I noticed that I caught things that I hadn't caught previously. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, as far as issue one goes, I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it was a haul, but yes, I really did enjoy it. So, what do we want to start with?
1: Uh, let's let's start with Barbalian. I kind of want to know what your feelings are on this.
0: Okay. Uh, so, this is a Dark Horse book uh, by Jeff Lemire and Tate Brombal. Um, okay. First thing for me, I don't read a ton of Dark Horse books, but when I do, the art style always seems to be the exact same and. When I say that, I've not read a lot of um, Hellboy, uh, the Hellboy universe, um, you know, the mainstays of Dark Horse, right. it's usually been more one-off stuff. But the artwork always looks the same to me, I don't know why, like they all go, oh, mike magnolia did this we've got to mimic what he does if that makes sense
1: this book is like a mix between mike magnolia and guy davis
0: yeah i could see that i mean if you look
1: at his nowhere men or never men i think it was oh yeah yeah never men yeah this looks exactly like sometimes the cops look exactly the same like with the there's an image of a guy holding a gun to another guy's head. In this, mm-hmm. when there's he's, and he calls himself Papa Smurf, or he calls the guy Papa Smurf. It looks exactly like a Guy Davis artwork. So you can see where this guy's inspiration came from in his work.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I just, you know, I mean, I I would like to see. A little bit of change to it, I guess. Um, as far as the story went, um, I did find the right or the word bubbles on Mars were, to an extent, harder to read in some spots because of the text they were using. And I know why they did that. Again, alien planet, different language. This is what they're going for. Mm -hmm. but it did become very hard to read in certain spots for me to kind of decipher what they were saying. But, um, you know, during the flashback stuff, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think my, one of my favorite parts was where they did the, um, it's about center of the book where they did the panels where it's Barbalian and then the cop and then like home life, you know? Yeah and showing how they're staying that busy. Um, and I really enjoyed that. But um, I've never heard of this character before. Apparently it's a, something out of Black Hammer. Um, the biggest problem I had was the there was just some parts where the artwork just went downhill for me. Like the last three pages, I'm like, "What in the world?" Yeah, it's like, did you just decide to give up at this point?
1: He probably was running near his uh his his allotted time, you know. Be like, right. oh, it's scheduled. To, I need to get this in tomorrow. I have three pages left. Let's just hurry up.
0: Yeah, and uh, that that was disappointing. Um. I don't know. What would you think of it? Um,
1: You know, I'm in the same boat. I've never read Black Hammer before. So coming into this, I was like not knowing what to expect. I thought he was going to be a barbarian alien because his name is Barbalian, So I was like, oh, sweet. It's like an alien, like Conan meets aliens. No, this is martian manhunter that's exactly what i thought through the whole thing i mean this guy's name is not john jones his name is mark marks so john jones mark marks um he's red not green
0: same powers
1: yeah pretty much yeah he changes shape he flies super strong i bet because he does catch the guy falling out of the air um Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I like it or not because it is just another story of Martian Manhunter. Right. Um, yeah, they put a little bit of, you know, um, of, you know, talking about sort of current events in 1986, right? Right. You have like the AIDS epidemic, you have, you know, gay rights, you know. And that's cool, throwing that in there, but it just seems like your character needs more work. The story's good, but that character has been around since 1940. Right. And just ripping him off and just changing his color,
0: not a great character. I expected more from a Jeff Lemire book, truthfully. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the only difference they made was he's a homosexual.
0: Yep.
1: Right? And isn't that why he's on his planet getting persecuted? Yeah. In the beginning? Right. So, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, the this, this I don't want to sound like I'm an a-hole, but the social justice part of this is the good part. Right? The character is the bad part. So... And I, I hate the word social justice warrior, but that's kind of how this goes, right? I mean, this has a very deep social meaning to it. And that's the good part. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that's the good part. Right. I'm saying the character sucks. The the societal part is awesome. But yeah. I if I want to read *March* Manhunter, I'll read Martian Manhunter.
0: See, and I found that the part where it was back in time where he was the police officer, I found that more interesting than. The superhero the, part, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the second he did that, I'm like, I really don't care what happens to him at this point. Yeah. Like I. Give me some more history. I like the history. Give me
1: the marks marks the cop, you know, give me that. I don't. I don't really care if they're going to send Boa Boaz, the bounty hunter, or the bar bounty hunter. I'm like, oh my god, okay. You lost me at the bar bounty hunter.
0: Yeah. Who is the is it, the son of the king? Yes. Yeah. I, for me, this is a pass. Um, you know, like... The more I think about it, the more I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I did. Um, I was hoping for more. I was too. You know, I'm not giving up on that Dark Horse universe. I'll still read stuff from Dark Horse. Just this was not it for me. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I suppose I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's right, do we'll, this. We'll do this together. All yeah. right. So <clears throat> first issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Um. Let's talk about the issue, and then I can get into all the characters that actually make an appearance in this. Okay. I don't have necessarily all the Earths they're from, but I at least have a list of the characters.
1: Uh, I have a list.
0: You have a list. Yep. Look at you being an overachiever. Right. All right. (laughs) Okay. So... Like I said, I've read this before several times. Um, going back into it this time, um, I did catch some stuff that, or I'm familiar with some characters that I wasn't familiar with previously, I guess. Um, so I think that added to the story for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was... what is was it? Probably... Three fourths of the way through, before I realized that I really hadn't seen any of the of Earth, our Earth superheroes, right? But the story flowed so well, you didn't it didn't register. Yep. Um, all right. So. How do we want to approach this?
1: All right. So this came out in April 1985, and it is considered the first maxi series. Self-contained storyline, limited time, but it's 12 issues. And like most of limited series were six, and this was 12. Mm-hmm. So they consider it the first maxi series. Um, I will say that I have the giant poster that's on the cover the thing is gorgeous by it's Alex Ross and George Perez yeah and there's a there's an easter egg in that there's peter parker's in there somewhere
0: oh good gravy
1: yeah he's in the bottom he's got his camera but yeah but <laughs> he's got to he's got to be everywhere so let's let's just start at the beginning right so the big bang happens and instead of one universe The multiverse is created and from that i mean there's an infinite amount of earths start to appear and everyone is slightly different than the others so you have like a planet of the charlton characters you have a planet of world war ii characters you have a planet that was controlled by the nazis you have a like a planet that is all the Shazam characters? You have a planet that's all animals, like, and it's very crazy amount that you can just be. Hey, this is this is planet X Y F Z, right? right.
0: This
1: this doesn't have to go in continuity. This could be something completely different. There's, um, so let's go. Uh, so in the beginning there appears to be a planet that's getting destroyed or a whole universe, right? And there's this huge white wave coming and it's destroying everything in its way. And this guy named Pariah, he's wearing all green. He's wearing a cloak. He looks kind of like Ozymandias, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of with that collar, the hair, kind of like him. Yeah. Like a... His his thing is that he has to watch every universe. He has to witness it and they don't go into why right now. And so he watches one universe die and he gets sucked in and he goes to another one. And that planet is earth earth three with the crime syndicate, which is the evil justice league with Ultraman and uh power ring Owl Man, Superwoman,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Lex Yellow is a good guy, right? Who is there, Archer? I can't remember. Like Yellow, oh. it doesn't matter. He's not in here. But yeah, so Lex Luthor is the vil- like the hero. He is the only superhero on the planet, and he's married to Lois Lane, which seems to be a thing with DC that in every alternate world, Lex is married to Lois.
0: I never understood that, but okay. <laughs> so,
1: so this planet starts getting destroyed, and you see the, the crime syndicate have a rare time of actually protecting the planet, not subduing it. And the Earth starts getting destroyed, and Lex flies home to his wife, Lois. And he tells her, this, this planet, this universe is done. We've done some experiments that we could travel to other universes. But I don't understand why he just sends Lex... The kid. The kid, right? Is it only because he made the egg so small? Is that the thing? Like it's a prototype? Is that what's going on?
0: It's a prototype. Yeah. So it's so I small that it, it can only fit the baby. Yeah. And it's supposed to pair up with originally what happened to Superman.
1: Right. Where Krypton was getting destroyed and they made a pro- like a prototype to leave the planet and it was only right. big enough for the kid. So So <clears throat> that Earth is gone. Like, and at that time, the the egg disappears, everybody's gone, and it travels to a new planet. It's going to Earth One, our Earth. And this is one of the rare times you see our Earth in this issue. Right. All right. So now we meet a woman named Lila. And she's aboard this humongous space station. And she is tasked by the monitor. Yeah, the monitor, right? It's not the anti-monitor. It's the monitor, right. The monitor, no
0: right. The monitor.
1: Ugh. Anti-monitor, monitor. It is always like what? Okay. <laughs> so to, to halt this destruction of the multiverse the monitor sends lila on a trip to other earths to gather heroes to help fight and she travels to okay so earth one she actually travels to africa and she meets salivar and salivar the 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 talking monkey or the talking gorilla talking gorilla, Right. It takes him back. And then she travels into the 30th century to the Legion and grabs Dawn star. I'm having problems with my throat. I don't know what it is. I'm like, I'm like getting a sore throat and I don't like it. Not at this time. And then she travels to i think earth 2 right it's because earth that's two. world war II.
0: 1942 she, on earth 2 yep
1: yeah. she grabs Firebrand, who yes. is got to have like one of the craziest superhero costumes right she's wearing loose loose red pants a bustier and a see-through purple top with a with a domino mask on crazy <laughs> she's uh, she's always been like one of the craziest members of the justice society but yep yeah, okay and then they travel to earth War which is the charlton planet right and then this is the first time you ever get to see ted cord blue beetle in a dc comic and i got to say uh that's why i love this issue so much you're going to see <laughs> You got you get to see him, you know, as like before he was along with, um, like him just doing his vigilante thing. It's like, and he's not really funny. No, he's a straight character, just doing weird crap. All right, and then they they travel back to Earth too to meet Arian, the Atlantean, right. No. Uh,
0: no, no, Psycho Pirate first. Go.
1: Right. So they travel to Earth 2, find the Psycho Pirate. That's a huge mistake.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> and 45,000 years in the past to get Arian. Right.
1: And Arian...
0: Let's see if I
1: can... So that's right. Earth 1. So they find Arian on Earth 1. And then they move on to... Earth-1, again, where you catch up with Firestar and Killer Frost. Firestorm. Firestorm. Firest- ah, See, I'm having problems. I, I'm concentrating more on my voice than I am on the characters that are in this book. And Psycho Pirate makes Killer Frost fall in love <laughs> with Firestorm.
0: And they're normally arch enemies. So. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> and he even says, I think I liked it better when she tried to kill me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because this this isn't the the current killer frost. This is 1984 oh, weird bangles in her Madonna haircut. Right. And yeah, she's a total material girl. Yeah. Right? Just oh god. The 80s. I loved it, but oh, Lord, boy. <laughs> so it comes back, and you're on the monitor ship, and you see everybody that they've gathered in one place, right? But there's there's characters that they haven't talked about yet. There's Obsidian, which wasn't shown. John Stewart, Geo Force, Firebrand. What? Okay, Firebrand was there. Uh, Doctor Polaris, Cyborg, Simon, and yeah. Like, where did they come from? Did you send other people out to find these guys?
0: Well, and Earth Two Superman. um, Let's see. It says here. Du-du-du-du.
1: Oh, that's right. He sends out multiple Send out Ly- replicants. He's, yeah, sends out multiple Lylas throughout the yeah. multiverse. So we see the travel of one of them. We don't see the travel of all of them. So right.
0: Yeah, they're all chit chatting. That's it's kind of like they're all all in awe of the ship. I mean, Blue Beetle. Let's see, it was a Blue Beetle. Can't remember who said it, but uh, one of them's like, "Oh, it's uh, is it what is her name? Dawnstar or whatever." Uh-huh. Um, satellite seems so much smaller from the outside, yet inside it stretches for miles. So they're all in just awe of this building and looking at it and checking everything out. Yep. And I mean, there's obviously enemies of each other in here and everything else and. Trying to get, you know, get that worked out as well. Because, I mean, there's one point where Simon even says to Cyborg and Geoforce, uh, why don't we declare a truce for now? hmm And they're like, yeah, nope, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did they, did they ever explain
1: the, the the dark, like, shadow demons that come out?
0: No. Not in this issue. Them.
1: That's right. They just uh, get attacked by these weird shadows.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they have to fight. Because there, there has to be a fight in every issue. I learned that with uh, D&D podcasting. You have to have one <laughs> fight per episode or it gets really dull.
0: Well, I I think in this issue they needed that to happen. Because let's face it, some of the characters that they showed getting grabbed... Are not the most exciting characters in the world.
1: What Psycho pirate <laughs> Firebrand Simon
0: <laughs> Arion? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty sad when the most exciting part is when Firestorm and Killer Frost are getting along. Right up to this point, you know. Um...
1: But I will say it's really nice to see Obsidian. Yeah. You know, just, he's always been my favorite, and that suit, I just absolutely love. It's a cool suit. But he's got that Mr. Miracle mask, which I don't know the physics of. Does his mask come over his lips? And do they stick over, just, like, under the, like, his lips? It weirds
0: wears me out. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, yeah. Probably I know come- it's good the full Spider-Man mask,
1: I don't know. I- I know comic book physics. I know it's unstable molecules and all that, but how is this state of his face?
0: <laughs> Makeup glue. Yep. Yeah. So that...
1: Uh, it gets a lot more characters going on pretty
0: soon. Yeah. A lot more... I- I think the part that really made me chuckle is all these guys are fighting these shadow people. Some of them are actually working well together. Others are not. After the battle is done, monitor comes out like, Hey all how you doing? Right. <laughs> I'm the monitor. It's like, so were you the one that did this? You know, you seem very nonchalant for, this just happening. Um, but yeah, up no, until recently, I didn't realize this was the first appearance of Blue Beetle in DC. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a, uh, this is where they got the rights to Blue Beetle, Captain Adam, uh, Judo master, um, who, uh, Peacemaker, or peace, Peacemaker, right? Peacekeeper? Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper.
0: Yeah, I think that sounds like right. Peacekeeper.
1: Yeah. Because, yeah, keeping peace with his guns. It makes sense. Um, yeah, this is where they got them all. Is right about this time.
0: Yeah, I think it's a cool way to introduce a character like that. It's throw them right in the middle of it because you got... If you're not sure that that character is going to be able to... Uh, how the response is going to be to that character. Putting them in with a bunch of other superheroes that you know. I mean, not any of of these guys were like A-listers. But uh, putting them in with a bunch of other superheroes and building up that character a little bit. So when they do release a book about them, you've already got a little a, a small following let's start to read it mhm and what's
1: good is like the the tie-ins weren't overly ridiculous no i mean and a lot of the times they had stuff to do with it i mean the blue devil one uh, i i read it i don't remember there being much about crisis in it but I mean, it's been a couple years. I might go back to it, but I don't know. But this is where they also screwed the Legion over again. I mean, they're only on volume three at this time because they keep (laughs) changing things.
0: So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was just taking a look here at the tie-ins. Jim and the Christmas is all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. It was all over. I just know. I'm just looking at this because it's like all square squadron fifty through fifty six. Yep. Uh, Blue Devil seventeen, eighteen. DC Comics presents a 88. seven, eighty eight. They're like all in numeric numerical order. But mm-hmm. then you look at Green Lantern, one ninety four, one ninety five, one ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, um, Justice League had to tie it tied into their annual. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I remember seeing them on issues, obviously, but uh, seeing the complete list of the issues—that something else. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to reading this. I I think. Um, going back and looking at it again with some fresh eyes is going to be fantastic. Yep. It'll be fun. All right. Well, that takes us over to the random reads since you did a heck of a lot of talking there. I will go first. If you're okay with that. No, go ahead. All right. So, I have three books. Um, For whatever reason, I found that I didn't read a lot this week. And so last night I scrambled to come up with a few random reads just to have some. Um, And for the most part, I'm glad I did. Um, So the first one I did was... It is G.I. Joe Dreadnoughts Declassified from DDP Comics. I always liked DDP, DDP Comics... Um they were only around for what 2 3 years maybe yeah and then they transitioned over to devils do I think weren't they devils i don't know was it devils do before ddp i think devils do was first and then they shifted over to um I can't remember which direction they went, but, um, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dreadnought's de-cla- declassified. This is only issue one. Um, I got pretty excited about it because Josh Blaylock returned as the writer and he did the relaunch of GI Joe with DDP or devils comics, which one one came first. And I really enjoyed his stuff. Um, And this was really interesting. It uh, cha- starts off with some character getting chased uh, named Raymond. So the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, this is Zartan. This is Zartan as a younger guy before he became a dreadnought and changed his name, right? And I'm reading this, and then they jump back to 17 years earlier, and it's getting into uh, the history of this kid who his dad owed money to the mob or somebody, and the mob blew up a car, killing his dad and his mom. And uh, then jumps to two years later, and the kid is now in an orphanage with his two, his two siblings, twin siblings. So again, thinking, okay, this is Zartan with Zena and, um, whatever the brother's name was. I can't remember what it is. Zarin. Zarin. That sounds Zarin? right. And what was neat about this is as they are going through it, notates like issues that coincide with what's actually happening like they used to do um, and so they're just moving forward and you find out that this kid that ran away from the orphanage is uh, hanging out with other kids but when it, the other kids leave the room he's stealing food from them and everything else he does I have a home and <clears throat> even one of his friends calls him out and like, Hey, why don't I come over to your house? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm babysitting. I can't do that. Well, then it shows that he's going to this guy and handing over the money and food and stuff and credit cards to this guy. <laughs> and then he's like, you keep this up. You're going to be my best, my, my best worker. You can go ahead and live here as long as you want. And then it says next sometime later, it, and the guy's on the phone yelling the how the kid ripped him off and took everything. He's like, and the guy he was talking to is like, Well, what did you expect? You taught him everything you know. At some point, he's going to do exactly what you do to everybody else. And he goes and joins the military. And I mean, this kid was just bad news all the way across. Because when he joins the military, he joins the United States military. But then he goes to the French Foreign Legion, steals their secrets, and then starts selling them to the highest bidder. And he finds out about this test. His friend works in a lab. He finds out about this testing that they're doing, where they can manipulate the features, like uh, Zartan is able to look like whoever they want, right? And so he's going to go in and do this test. And he fakes his credentials. He goes in. His friend that works in there is a a scientist. There, they grab what they need. So. They can do this, and you find out they're selling all this information to Destro. You don't see Destro, you just see Destro's troops. All of a sudden, they're talking to Destro's son, who does not have the mask on, and they hear this rumble, and the Dreadnoughts pull up, with Zartan and the lead. So it is not. <laughs> this whole time you're thinking it was Zartan. Nope, it is not Zartan. And then they jump forward. To Raymond again. Where he's getting the crap beat out of him. And. He's on a helicopter. Getting the crap beat out of him. He manages to get a knife. Takes everybody out. And that's kind of where it leaves it. To the next declassified issue. Which I do not have. But I realized how much I missed Josh Blaylock's writing on, on G.I. Joe. Um, it was a good story. Very confusing because you don't know who any of the characters are, uh, at least for me, because you're thinking one way the whole time, and then it's not what you're thinking at all. Uh, definitely worth picking up if you find it. Um,
1: so Ryan, uh, Devils do never change their name; they just changed their logo to DDP.
0: Is that what happened? Okay.
1: Yeah, they <clears throat> they must have just been like, you know, Devils do. We'll just we'll just make it DDP.
0: Yeah, I I can get that. I couldn't remember if they changed their name or if it was a or what the deal was with that. All right. So the next one I have is, uh, let's see, from 94 in um, the boom of the fantastic glittery covers of all sorts and outlandish drawings. I have Secret Defenders number 15. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, this one featured Deadpool, Cage, and Dr. Druid. So when Secret Defenders first came out, I absolutely loved it. I liked the idea. The premise was fantastic. Doctor Strange could sense something was happening or read in the cards that something was going to happen. And he built a team around what was going to happen. The people that would work best for this team. And I think the first team was Darkhawk, Wolverine. Who else was there? I just looked at it yesterday. There's like four of them. Was it Spider Woman maybe? I'm trying to remember. But that first story arc, unbelievable. I loved it. I could not get enough of the Secret Defenders. And then it got worse. (laughs) And worse. And worse, (laughs) all the way to issue 15. Um, There's actually 25 issues, I think, or 27. Um, The art was not great in this. Um, Luke Cage, oh my word. Uh, If you see the image on the, the cover of this, horrible. Um it's just yeah <clears throat> and what's going on is you saw it didn't you um, Dr. Strange uh, kind of is manipulating Dr. Druid into putting a team together to protect some artifacts from getting stolen and he... Besides, he's going to hire a couple of people to help protect those locally instead of making, you know, instead of uh, manipulating somebody. And he picks Luke Cage and Wade Wilson's Deadpool. And so you see this woman go into a bar, a full of bikers, and she min- puts them in a trance. And that so they'll start doing what she wants them to do. And so she tells them to go to this museum and steal these artifacts that they want. And you see oh, <clears throat> this horrible looking Luke Cage come flying through the wall and wanting to fight him. They're actually beating up on him. He's like, What in the heck's going on? they I felt these guys punching me. Um They're not stopping moving when I'm punching them. And Wade Wilson shows up, or a.k.a. Deadpool. And, of course, Luke Cage does not like Deadpool, and so they kind of get into it a little bit. Dr. Druid shows up and says, hey, behave yourselves. Um, They're after this sword. And the villain shows up and turns all the statues into living creatures to fight these guys. And they're all going after, you know, the creatures are going after them. And there's a woman in here. What's her name? I was going to ask you about this because I think it's a character. It's a character I've never heard of. I have a sneaking suspicion. Okay. Of- it is her name's Jill, Jillian Woods and her costume looks like spider-woman's costume okay um so at first i thought it was let's see what's her name Jillian Woods Shadow Woman it's new to me okay because at first I'm like, oh, this is like just Spider Woman going, like doing a Captain Marvel from, you know, uh, Ms. Marvel or something. I don't know. Anyhow, so. Um, what? Deadpool, Luke Cage, all those guys are fighting the statues. And in the background, you see a Doctor Strange looking at the astral plane, seeing this fight going on. And he looks at a tarot card that says Fool on it and it shows a picture of Dr. Druid. And that's how it's left off. So to find out what happens next, you got to read issue 16. Um, secret Defenders get a lot of hate on them. Check out the first six issues of that 90s run. It is a lot of fun. Stop there. <laughs> uh, because it gets just horribly horribly bad but that those first six issues were just amazing um so definitely check it out and finally um i think this is maybe not this particular issue but the third comic i ever got the first comic was a gi joe comic second comic was a star wars comic the third comic I got off of a spinner rack at a quick shop off of uh, 156th and Q Street in Omaha, Nebraska, because I remember grabbing it from there. Um, it was Shazam! The New Beginning, Issue 3. That's funny because that's all the only issue I have of that. <laughs> well... I read the first issue of the new beginning, but I remember I liked issue three so much from my childhood that I always wanted to read the story. Um, still trying to track down one of the issues, but um, that was, I, I didn't know who Shazam was. I was new to uh, comics, you know, as a young kid trying to figure out what I was into. Shazam looked cool. So, um, and even on the cover, it says it's from the pages of the Legends Fabulous First Issue. And this was done by uh, Roy Thomas and, let's see, Roy and Dan, Dan Thomas, and then Tom Mandrake was the artist. And this was a retelling or is a new telling of Shazam! or Captain Marvel, um, where Billy's parents die. Um, And I mean, it starts off at the very beginning. So Billy's parents die. He's hanging out with his uncle, who's babysitting, essentially. Um, He finds out that his parents have passed away, and they are at the funeral, and... Dr. Thaddeus Savannah, did Uh I say that right? Yeah. Shows up, says he's his uncle and that his mom was his stepsister. They just didn't get along. They go through the whole court proceedings where the his uncle that he was staying with um, was fighting for him. And Um, Dr. Savannah had his two kids show up and say how great life is with them, and how he's being selfish if he makes his uncle stop doing magic to take care of him. And so Billy's trying to be nice and goes into the courtroom and basically says, you know, I want to go with my Uncle Thaddeus um, because I don't think my other uncle can support me. All doing it because he didn't want his uncle to give up on doing magic. And he knew that if he stayed with him, he would have to. And um, so he goes home with with uh, Dr. Savania and the two college or the two other kids, his cousins, go too. And they're like, "Oh, we'll show you around the house." And he's like, "No, go back to college now." And takes Billy into the house, shows him around a little bit. Don't ever go down to this door, or you're going to get beat. He puts him in like a storage room for bed. Next day, Billy's at school. I mean, they move fast on this. They got him into another new school. He's already getting into fights. And he's walking home, and he sees... or uh, No, he gets home, and he hears Dr. Sevenia saying, hey, I pulled off getting this life insurance money to pay you off, and I did it in a record amount of time. Billy hears it, so he runs out. And ends up by a subway and starts following this guy down the subway where he sees the seven deadly sins carved in stone. And he goes further in, he sees a old guy sitting under this stone with this spells out Shazam. And so Billy's saying, Hey, you know, you got this stone right above your head. That's going to smash you. You do, or you're aware of this, right? And he's like, yeah, I know everything. Um, And he tells Billy, he goes, Say my name. So Billy's like, okay, Shazam. He turns into Captain Marvel. And at this point, Shazam makes a comment that this is not the first time I've done this. Or maybe it is. Maybe that was a dream that I had previously, referring back to the older Captain Marvel. And Billy finds out about uh, Black Adam. And he says, Shazam again, and gets warped out of where he was at. And starts banging on the wall where he ends up warping out at. Um, And starts yelling for Shazam again, or for Shazam. And he turns back into Captain Marvel. He goes flying down the tunnel to see if the wizard's okay. And it's a dead end. So he can't get back to that cave. And um, it finishes off with Dr. uh, Sivania... working on this machine and all of a sudden you see it say, I made it. Black Adam is back on earth after 5,000 years. And that's how it leaves off for issue one. I forgot how much I enjoyed. Like I said, this is the first time I've read this. Um, I forgot how much I enjoyed issue three of it, but this reminded me of it, even though I wasn't issue three, but I mean, just the, knowing where it's going, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of made just really reminiscent of uh, that issue and looking forward to reading this all the way through and uh, finishing it up. So that's what I have for this week.
1: Nice. Um, I just want to say, uh, have you ever seen the box set for Crisis on the Infinite Earths? It's got like 14 graphic novels in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen
0: it. Kind of pricey, yeah.
1: Two hundred and forty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a beautiful box. That's, that's just too much crisis, man. I don't think I could read that. That's that's <laughs> a
0: lot of crisis.
1: All right, so I, uh, I have one. So, okay. no, no problem. It's it's been a struggle. Let me just say, um, we're going to start implementing a read before going to bedtime because this is getting <laughs> ridiculous that I have to read these all before the show so i picked up a whole bunch of rocketeer stuff a little while ago nice i got rocketeer adventures number one from 2011 the cover is by dave stevens and it is gorgeous and i was talking to the guy at the store and he is a huge rocketeer fan too and he was like, yeah, I have everything, like all the Dave Stevens stuff. I'm like, so do I. He's like, I have like four different graphic novels. I'm like, so do I. <laughs> like, <you> know. <laughs> and we both agree that the covers of all these are gorgeous. But then you, when you get inside, they're just like, "Ugh, what? So this, this is after Dave died of leukemia, which for me is a huge tragedy because I love his work. I, I've always loved Dave Stevens' work. I want to buy everything he's ever done. And I know there's like groups online that have, you know, like, Oh, I have all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm so jealous of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has three stories in it and two pinups, right. Um, first one is by John Cassidy. Who does an amazing job. The next one is by Mike and Laura Allred who, uh, do a semi-okay job. And then you have one by Kurt Busiek and Michael Kluda, which do an amazing job. So sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Uh, You can't go by the cover of new Rocketeer stuff because they're always going to put Dave Stevens on it. So first one is called The Rocketeer, and it's by John Cassidy. And he does as close to Dave Stevens as I've ever seen in my life.
0: This is he the had, John Cassidy that did like some Marvel stuff. And I'm uh-huh. thinking, this, okay, I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right guy. I'm trying to think if he did.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a book like in 2000. It was from Image. Oh, well, I'll think of it later. It's not a big deal. But it opens up and it's a picture of Betty and she looks just like Betty Page. So. You know what you're getting into. It looks exactly like it. And it's a very short because this is only a standard comic size and there's three stories and she's got a gun to her head and there's a mobster there. And she's like, Cliff, where have you been? And he's like, Oh, sorry, Betty. I was late. You know, kind of got held up and (laughs) she's like tied to a bomb. Right. And, And he's, he's got his gun pointed at these mobsters and you know, the monster's got his gun pointed at Betty, and he's like, "Okay, now, th- hold on. You know, um, you're not getting my rocket. Your guys are done." And he moves the gun off of them and puts it onto their control panel. And they're like, "Oh no, we know this guy. He'll do this. We know he'll fire on this." And they start blasting away. And the, the monster's like, "No, you idiots! What are you doing? You're gonna hit the control panel!" And Cliff looks at Betty's like trust me you're going to hate me but trust me and he hits the ignition button and she flies out into like up in the air <laughs> strapped to the bomb and he lights the jetpack up goes watches these mobsters just burn from the from the the jet wash right and he gets up to her saves her she looks like she's going to you know, she's got her eyes closed real tight and she feels him like cut the ropes and she hugs him and they land. And he's like, you know, sorry, I had to do that. It was the only way to save you. And she's like, Cliff, take off that silly helmet. And he takes his helmet off and he's got this goofy looking grin on his face. And she decks him like straight <laughs> off punches him. Like, it's like he busted a tooth. And he's like, you know, I could take you to the town. And she's like, I'd rather walk. And there's a, a sign that says Los Angeles twenty seven miles back.
0: <laughs>
1: so then there's a, a pinup by Michael uh, Mike McNola with Dave Stewart. Um, I like Mike McNola, but this one, uh, it just the Rocketeer is thin, but this guy is fat. So hmm. standard Mike McNola stomach. Uh, no, okay, so moves on to an one called home again by Mike Allred and Laura Allred. And I think it's obvious that I don't like Mike Allred's work. (laughs) I think we've talked about it enough. Yes. Um, There is some things that he makes his characters say that don't make any sense. Like nobody would ever talk like a Mike Allred comic. Um, So somehow he, he lands at home and Betty and PV are there and he's like I need your help PV I need and he hands him a backpack and it's got another helmet and another backpack in it. He's like uh, how he's like I'll tell you but I'm under my neck in trouble and I want to keep things on the winning side and he doesn't explain where this other rocket comes from. Other than he meets some guy in a cab named Jonas, and they're doing experiments. There's no explanation on how that rocket or helmet got destroyed. And, okay, now, the line that really bugs me in this is, PB's like, so... What is this? So what is it you have to do, Cliff? And Cliff says, The less you know, the better right now. Betty, oh, Cliff. And Cliff says, There are dark things lining up, and the folks with the light have to just shine. Like, what? <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'll skip everything Mike Allred h- does from now on. But Um, So the next one is actually really cool. What? Get out. Get out. So the next one um, is a story called Dear Betty, and it's by Michael Kaluta and Kurt Busiek. And these two together are amazing. Um, Michael Kaluta does the covers for Books of Magic later on. And – you, you would recognize his style right away. Right. So this one is... It's during World War II. It's very, at the very end. It's like 1944. And Betty is a nurse at this time. And she is waiting for the mail from, from the soldiers. She's waiting for a, a message from Cliff. And... It goes on, like, a month later, she gets a message that, you know, he's he's overseas, and he gets a little bit of airtime, and he can't wait to see her, and all the guys here want to be introduced to some of your friends, because you're you're on Broadway now, and you're getting famous, and they just want to meet some of the chorus girls, like, and <clears throat> there's a background, like... a character that his name is dimitri stanhope and he is like the the character from the movie that was the the nazi right Mm -hmm. and and he's all over her just you know like oh you know your your boyfriend's not being faithful to you over there nobody that goes to war is faithful to their wives or girlfriends and she she never loses faith that Cliff is, you know, faithful to her. And she's sitting in diners, and the, the newsboys are like, the Rocketeers fighting the Jap war machine, blah, 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 right? And she's like, oh, Cliff, just stay safe, right? And she gets some more letters, like, like six months later, and he's like, you know, same old crap. You know, hot, steamy, hot, flying some, you know. Can't wait to be back with you. She's like, oh, same old, huh, Cliff? You are such a bad liar. And this guy's <laughs> like, and and this dude keeps, like, coming up to her, like, you know, I know it's hard having your boyfriend away for so long. Just come to me. We, you, join me at my club. You can, you can cry on my shoulder. And she's like, you know what? I got a letter to write. See ya. She goes up and it rolls on another month no message another month no message 3 months no messages it's now like um like she's starting to believe that cliff has died in the war
0: right and
1: it's august 14th 1945 it's v j day still no cliff not there and this dude is like, you know, he's dead. Just just come with me and, you know, you can cry on my shoulder again if you want to. And, you know, and she punches him in the stomach and walks out into the street and you see a blur of fire across the sky, right? And she's just crying. She's accepted that Cliff is dead and she looks up and it's that pose from World War II where the uh, soldier's kissing the nurse mm-hmm. and he's he swoops around her and grabs her and takes her up into the sky and is kissing her and is like, uh, Dear Betty, I thought this message should be hand-delivered. And, yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, just when people use, like, classic images like that. Right. Like, not in a cheesy way, but in a kind of a poignant, you you, you really like these characters kind of thing. It doesn't seem like it's just some kind of, like, cheesy rip off. Kind of thing. But right. It was good. I really liked it, except for the Michael Allred stuff.
0: He is one that I've never been able to get into at all. Like,
1: I liked Madman back in the day, but I think it was mostly for the artwork and not the story because I don't think I was a fan of the story. Right. So, I don't know. That was twenty. Oh my God. 1994, 20, 30 years ago? Something like that? Ugh. Wow. So. Oof. Yeah.
0: So that's all I had. Yeah, I've been meaning to pick up some Rocketeer stuff. I, I've, I've always wanted to kind of read some of that stuff. Always liked the character, just never got a chance to read too much of it. So. All um, right. Uh, let's see. News. Um. Have you been watching on Disney Plus that, uh, Marvel 616? I have not.
1: I've watched you, to, to. but...
0: Oh. If you have Disney Plus, watch the Marvel 616. Um. I think it's eight episodes. But... Like the first episode is all about mm-hmm. the Japanese Spider Man from 1977. Yeah, and second episode was about uh, the women that helped create comics at Marvel and their where where they started at to where they are today. Um, the third one was about artists and then seeing them do their work and hearing their story and what their day is like and that kind of a thing. And how one of them was, became an artist after um, college, they were able to get a job within a year or two, where the other one, it took them 10 years. And he actually put himself on a deadline just to say, okay, if I don't have a job by this time in comics, I'm giving up. I'm going to go off and do something else. Um, And the fourth one's actually, (laughs) the fourth one is about uh, finding these old characters that people have forgotten about and seeing if they could create it into a modern universe And make it something people would be interested in. Um, The Japanese one and the artist one, there are subtitles in it. Um, So there is a little bit of reading. But um, it is fantastic. It's very well done. Um, I actually got interested in maybe reading a couple of different books. Because of some of the stories they told today. And I'm not a huge Marvel guy. Or the, some of the stories they told in the show. Excuse me. Um, it's well worth checking out. You you need to see it. It's just great. Um, so yeah. you can't recommend that enough. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else news wise. That I saw been kind of slow in the comic book world, to be honest. Um, only other thing I would have to say news-wise is, um, I think it's fair to say one of your and my favorite shops in the area is, uh, closing down, unfortunately. Um, behind the glass down in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, uh, just sounds like um, he's got some ideas to help Ken to keep things moving forward a little bit, but the shop itself is closing down and uh, I know I'm going to miss it. I found a lot of great stuff digging through his bins, found one of the issues of that Shazam book I'm reading there. Um, I know I got quite a few Green Lantern books from there. My first Alf comic from there, you know, (laughs) a lot of great stuff i picked up from there. It, you know, it, it was a lot of fun diving through his bins. And it's going to yep. be really sad to see, uh, see them go.
1: Yeah. I, I don't like it when uh, comic stores shut down because it's just like, uh, you know, these guys, you get to know them pretty well mm-hmm. and you get to watch their hearts break when things just don't fall the way that they need to and yep. with covid it just like devastated that store so it's really sad to see him go but i'm pretty sure Nate will have something up his sleeve to keep it going well, he says I'm... he has he has some ideas but he's not releasing them yet so
0: yes yeah. no i think he'll still he loves the industry too much i can't see him getting away from it completely but um... I know it's one of those things that, okay, we're loading up. We're going to Lincoln. We're stopping at behind the glass. Um, I mean, two years ago, my daughter was in fourth grade. They do a national Nebraska trip. So they go down to Lincoln and check out the Capitol and everything. And it's only a half day, you know, for, you get done early about one o'clock or whatever. And I drove down there to meet him down there to help chaperone. And I jumped in my car after it was over and flew over to <laughs> behind the glass and dug around in there for a while. Um, anytime I was in like, and I tried to make it over there. So it's really too bad to see uh, a good guy like that have to go through something like this. Yep. Uh, you got any other news, Nick? So, starting soon, Marvel's
1: bringing out their new giant crossover with the King in Black. Mm. Null. I can't wait. And they're also thinking of doing something else. I'm split uh, mine just went blank. They, oh yeah. Um, they're bringing back the Phoenix force for the
0: fourth, fifth, sixth time. I was worried about that. I was hoping they would do something. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the,
1: I don't know. I mean, the Phoenix Force, they, they brought it back with X-Men versus Avengers, which was, what, 10 years ago? It doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, that would have been about right, yeah. It just seems like the Phoenix needs to go away. Either yeah. that or, you know, make it one character. Don't put it in Captain America. Don't don't put it in Spider-Man. Just give it to
0: Gene and be done with it. I don't know. I... It seems like they do that a lot. Anytime, you know, like uh, the Venom symbiote. Venom should have it. It's a great start having it come off of Spider-Man's costume, but Venom should have it. It shouldn't be infecting everyone. Right. It should be Eddie Brock.
1: Yeah. But I will say the Flash Thompson was my favorite. Agent Venom was a great series.
0: Well, and I can even understand that transitioning over to another character like that, where it leaves one host and goes to another host, but where it's Venomized, or right. null, or whatever else, they just take that stuff and just beat it into the ground. Um, you know, in in that Marvel six one six today, or when I watched it, they said uh, I keep on saying today, and no, it wasn't today. Uh, <laughs> but on that Marvel six one six they were talking to one guy. He's like, how many characters do you have? And they're like, we have over 8,000 different characters. We're only seeing what? <laughs> five seventy-five 75 of them? Yeah. Across all the books? Do something with the other 7,500 of them. <laughs> right. Something. I mean, there's some,
1: there's, there's, Things that you've not seen in a long time. That you know those copyrights are coming up, and they're not going to use them. But, yeah. Do something else, guys. Do
0: something else. Yeah, I mean, they have Reggie the Slam Poet. Do something with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get him minimized. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Oh, can you imagine? You think Ettrigan's bad? <laughs> can you imagine uh, Beat Poet Venom? <laughs> oh, oh! another cool thing is uh, Stern Pinball brought out a new Star Wars table with artwork that looks like the comics. Really? Like These comics. It is gorgeous. Is it on their site? Yes. I'll have to look it up. I'll put up a picture on uh, the Discord real quick.
0: Okay. Copy image.
1: It is gorgeous. But I do not have eight grand. Yeah. But like when I was talking to him, you can do it on credit. (laughs) You can pay him over time.
0: Oh, I was like, "Really? My... Yeah, that is gorgeous." The Boba Fett on the left or on the right side. Wow. Hmm. I can't find a picture of the table itself, like the, uh, like the it's got a
1: Death Star and a Tie Fighter and other stuff that you can put your balls through.
0: Yeah, looks cool. Yeah, it looks really nice. Oh, but wait. 8000 not, not cheap. <laughs> no, but if you paid over six years,
1: you know. Yeah. <laughs> Still a lot of money.
0: It is. Just spread out over six years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's cool. That's
1: pretty much all I got.
0: All um, right. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up for us for this evening. Um, thanks for listening. Hope you everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back live next week, 7 Central, Monday night. Talk to you guys later. See Bye. you guys. Bye.